Hey, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Um, so good to see you all here today. I'm assuming by the fact that we're here together means that we're safe, we're healthy, so I'm so glad for that. Um, today's going to look a little bit different than it has over the last several months since we started regathering in July. Um, we have several families uh, that are quarantining for different reasons right now uh, because of the COVID virus, and so um, we're not going to have music today and um, not going to have even slides today. We're, we're a skeleton crew today here at Reachway Church, and so, um, and so uh, I, I still think it'll be a meaningful time. Um, that being said, it's been a very difficult week, uh, specifically um, for the reasons in which I am about to share. Um, ah, goodness, it's, it's not getting easier at all. Um, COVID's not making life easier. It never has, um, it's, and it's not about to start now. So um, I'm going to read what I have to say, because if I don't read what I've already written down, I am going to be a blubbering mess by the end of it, um, and I'm going to ramble, um, and then we'll pray, and then we'll do our thing. Uh, greetings, friends and family of Reachway Church. It's with a deep sense of sadness, disappointment, and burden that I write this announcement in the following message that Reachway Church will not be holding in-person gatherings of any kind until our scheduled reevaluation date of Sunday, February 7th. Below is a list of points that highlight the reasoning behind this heart-wrenching decision. COVID-19 positivity rates are increasing statewide the Peoria region is no exception. It is highly likely that holiday gatherings, other various in-person environments, and the general sickness that winter normally brings will significantly increase public health concerns over the next several months. At the time of this writing, area hospitals are experiencing a simultaneous increase in patients and decrease in doctors, nurses, and other personnel that are eligible to give medical care. Having Reachways, immunocompromised members, families with children, and immediate community in mind, we feel as though it's our responsibility as an organization that often holds in-person gatherings to refrain from gathering to help slow the spread of COVID-19. This is out of a deep conviction to love our neighbor as ourselves. This is where this is coming from. I'm going to ask my own self three questions and answer them. Why not wait for government officials to make the final calls on what types of gatherings are permissible when those times come? That's a good question. In most areas of life, clarity, foresight, and definitive decision-making generally bring about a sense of stability and comfort. That is to say, it's often comforting to at least know what's coming down the road. Many of us have become exhausted with the ups and the downs and constant updates during this pandemic. And it is our hope that 
um, although this is by no means a preferred option, that a clear decision with a clear end date brings about some closure and peace. Why wait until Sunday, February 7th, 2021 to reevaluate regathering? It's the timeline of COVID-19 that is most important in that decision. With symptoms often not manifesting for five or six days after infection, sometimes longer than that, plus waiting several days for test results to come back, plus two weeks of quarantine, and that's pending a negative test, positive exposure to COVID-19 can potentially incapacitate a household for upwards of three weeks, if not more than that. Reevaluating on February 7th allows a solid month for the dust to settle of COVID-19 transmission following the holiday season. As far as the calendar goes, February 7th is about four or five weeks after New Year's weekend. And so that's the, there's, there's never going to be a perfect date to pick, right? That's, that's just the logic of, of February 7th. How can you stay engaged with Reachway Church during this time? If you have internet access, we will continue to email out our weekly home liturgy guides. When we say home liturgy guides, what we mean is essentially our, our order of worship, the prayers, the scriptures that we read, uh, short devotional thoughts, and really it's just an in intentional guide into the different rhythms and practices of the local church. And so we've been emailing those out uh, since, since the pandemic even started in March, and we have been mailing those, uh, USPS, uh, to those who don't have internet. And so over the next couple of months, I think it's 11 or 12 weeks, um, we will continue to email those out, and if you don't have internet access, we will be mailing those uh, to you, um, as well as Reachway Kids lessons materials. Uh, Cassie, who leads our Reachway Kids ministry, has been doing a great job at emailing out some links for different worship songs and things like that and different lessons. Uh, we're going to do something new in this season that we didn't do the first time. Uh, we were not gathering, which is providing YouTube videos uh, to function as complementary to the, to the home guides. And what those will be practically is myself sitting right there <laughs> uh, with my iPhone and just uh, guiding us through the prayers and the scripture readings and giving a sermon and, and things like that. Reason for that is just some people learn differently and take in differently, and so sometimes it's helpful just to read, sometimes it's helpful to listen and hear and to see and things like that. It's, it's the best that we can do in this season. Um, all of that information can be found on Reachway's website, reachway.org. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> um, it was really, really weird this morning as I was uh, just preparing for, for us to gather today. Um, gosh, if I can be just vulnerable for two seconds, and maybe this will resonate with you as well. Um, 
I feel like this has been a season where a lot of us, whether we're conscious of it or not, have been stripped of what we would call our purpose or, or our purposes. When, we, when we're in rhythms of work and when we're in rhythms of play and social interaction and excursion and adventure, and those things just become, as they should be, rhythms of our lives, um, things to look forward to, things to participate in, things to engage with. Um, and then for those things to be just kind of one by one, either eliminated or reduced, it can be, it can be gut-wrenching, right? It, it can make us sick to our stomachs, and it can make us confused for reasons we can't even comprehend. And I think what I learned this morning just reflecting as I was preparing for this morning was, I, I, think, that's, I think that's the feeling that's deep down inside of me is, I'm called to be a pastor. I can't pastor anymore. <laughs> I'm a, I, my other job is in, in the nonprofit sector, and um, we're just completely, we've just been completely incapacitated as a ministry. And so um, I, I'm a social person, and we, Ty and I can't have people over the house anymore. And just, just you go down the list of things you can't do anymore or things you have to do differently. And um, if, if you resonate with that this morning, I just want to encourage you as best that I can, is that God is taking care of us. And, and I just want to assure you of that, is that you're being cared for. And you're being cared for by your creator. And, and that's, that's a good and important thing. So, uh, this morning, I will lead us in some prayers reading of the psalm, reading of the Gospel of Luke, and we will actually finish up the journey that we've been on through the book of Acts. Uh, we've been walking through Acts since June, and we wrap that up today as we prepare for Advent and the Christmas season. So uh, today, uh, for you, this morning, will be just some, some nice deep breaths, some listening, and we'll have some time to pray together, um, some time, yeah, some time to pray together, and, um, and we'll go from there. We'll go from there. So, um, hope not to put you asleep either. <laughs> so, if I could pray for us, um, this is a prayer that we would normally read out loud together, but for the sake of uh, lack of technology and time to adapt, I'll just read this prayer for us. Mighty God, in whom we know the power of redemption, you stand among us in the shadows of our time. As we move through every sorrow and trial of this life, would you uphold us with knowledge of the morning when in the glorious presence of your Spirit, your Son rose from the dead. Let us share in that resurrection, redeemed and restored to the fullness of life and forever freed to be your people. Creator of the universe, you made the world in beauty and you restore all things in glory 
through the victory of Jesus Christ. We pray that wherever your image is still disfigured by poverty and by sickness and by selfishness and by war and by greed, that the new creation in Jesus may appear in justice and in love and in peace to the glory of your name. Amen. Our psalm this morning is Psalm 124. After that, we'll be in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. If you have uh, scriptures with you, either in hard copy or electronically, you'd be welcome to find those. First with Psalm 24, uh, 124, excuse me, Psalm 124. If the Lord has not been on our side, let Israel say, If the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive when their anger flared against us. The flood would have engulfed us. The current would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away if the Lord was not on our side. So then, praise be to the Lord, who has not let us be torn by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the foul snare. The snare has been broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and of earth. This is the word of our Lord. Be reminded this morning that God is with you, that God is with us. God is on our side. Before we have a moment of prayer, I would like to read from the Gospel of Luke. Uh, During this entire journey through the book of Acts, we have uh, been bookending our mornings together with a reading from Luke and a reading from Acts. One of the main reasons why we've done that is because the same person wrote both of those accounts. Um, The author of the Gospel of Luke is the author of the of not the Gospel of Acts, but the book of Acts. And so a lot of times Acts is referred to as the continuation of the Gospel of Luke, and so we've intentionally paired those together. Uh, Today we will be reading excerpts from the end of the book of Acts, and today we'll be reading excerpts from the end of the Gospel of Luke. And so... um, What I'd like to do is read Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 36. We have a moment every time we gather where we call it the passing of the peace, and and we draw from this passage when we talk about the passing of the peace. Luke 24, starting at verse 36. While they were still talking about this, that being um, the passage before is people who were walking down the street and then Jesus appeared to them and they didn't know it was Jesus. And then when they took communion, when they broke bread and when they shared the cup, they, it was revealed that that was Jesus who they were walking with and then Jesus disappeared. They were still talking about that and then Jesus himself stood among them, reappeared and said, peace be with you. They were startled and they were frightened, thinking that they were looking at a ghost. 
And then Jesus said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands, look at my feet. It is I, myself, touch and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it, listen to this, because of joy and amazement, they asked him, uh, he asked them, rather, do you have anything here to eat? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence, and he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. I love that verse. If you are ever looking for a prayer to pray uh, during quarantine, (laughs) ready? Luke 24, verse 45, the prayer is, Lord, open my mind so I can understand the scriptures. What a beautiful prayer. So take that with you today. He told them, this is what was written, the Messiah will suffer, but will rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses to these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. He's referring to his Spirit. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And we'll go ahead and stop there. Some of the last sentences of the Gospel of Luke, and if you're familiar with some of the first sentences of the book of Acts, you know that Jesus is alluding to Pentecost, or what we call Pentecost in that moment. But in light of this, in light of Jesus' peace that is indeed still with us, I want to posture us towards a time of prayer. We call this time prayers of the people because we want this to be an opportunity. We want to create intentional space for the people, that is you all, us all, to pray for people, that is yourselves, your household, and those that you might know, and those that you might not even know. But we know that this is an important time where we can allow God to posture our hearts towards the needs of those that are around us, and so it's good of us to pray. So in just a moment, I'm going to lead us in a, in a short call to prayer, and then we'll have just a couple of moments of just stillness and quietness. That's an opportunity for you to pray and lift up the things that are heavy on your hearts this morning, um, whether it's something in your own household or maybe a circumstance that you know of um, otherwise. So let's pray together. O God, your son remained with his disciples after his resurrection, teaching them to love all people as neighbors. As his disciples in this age, we offer our prayers on behalf of creation in which we are privileged to live and we lift up prayers on behalf of our neighbors 
with whom we share your blessed creation. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would draw near to those in our community who are ill. Those in our community who have friends and loved ones who are ill. And those who are experiencing loss in this time. Lord, we ask that you would draw near to those in our community who are on the front lines of justice. Remind them that they serve with you. We ask that you would continue to dwell, that your presence would continue to dwell in our households, on our streets, in our neighborhoods, in our cities, in the places that we come and go from. Lord, open our hearts to your power moving around us and between us and within us until your glory is revealed in our love of both friend and enemy. In communities transformed by justice and transformed by compassion and in the healing of all that is broken. Hear our prayers now, Lord, in this time. We thank you for being a God who is near us and who hears us. May we also have postures to hear from you that we would experience your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for praying. If you would like to, although we aren't going to read too much of the, the book of Acts, um, but we are going to close up our series on Acts. Uh, little insights in the next couple of weeks, once again, we'll be uh, participating in these days together uh, from our homes, uh, providing these, these at-home resources. Uh, next week is 
is a day, a Sunday, that's normally referred to as uh, Christ the King Sunday or uh, Jesus is Lord Sunday. There's several different places and, and ways that people refer to it. Generally, the Sunday before Advent, and that's what next week is, where we're really going to focus in on the Lordship of Jesus. And so um, I, I would encourage you, um, if you would like, once again, those uh, home guides emailed or mailed to you, let me know. And then if you do have internet access and find yourself on YouTube or have at least before, um, there will be some, some videos there for you to engage with every week. So um, that's what the next couple of weeks looks like. And then we are off to Christmas and beyond. So, uh, But with those things in mind, um, we're going to be in Acts chapter 25 and 26 and 27 and 28. Once again, not reading a large portion of this. But if I could summarize briefly what's happening um, in, those, um, in those stories, we have Paul, who is before King Agrippa, and there's a kind of a sentencing that's taken place. Paul has another opportunity to, to defend himself, to speak his case. And then Paul is eventually transferred to Rome, um, where he would um, experience, and when I say transferred, I mean on a boat, and there is a, there's a storm, and there's a shipwreck, and there is a crashing into a foreign place called Malta, and there's people that Paul is able to preach to and show signs and wonders to. And, and then Paul eventually arrives at Rome, and he goes into house arrest. And we're, we're actually going to read quite a bit of a cliffhanger. Acts, the book of Acts ends on a, on a cliffhanger, and it really annoys me. Um, but uh, nonetheless, that, that's what we're given. Um, our 23... 23-week journey, as I said already, of the book of Acts comes to a close this week. I hope that it's given you a fresh perspective on this important book within the New Testament. Remember, this book had two halves. So within one book, we really have two halves. Chapters 1 through 12 account for the stories of the first century Jesus followers. This is how I'm phrasing it. Facilitating remarkable kingdom inclusiveness. That's kind of what I see in the first 12 chapters of Acts, is they are bringing down to earth what has been true about God's love and God's kingdom the whole time, which is eunuchs, get in here. Uh, Pharisees, get in here. Uh, even Paul himself, people who persecuted the church at one point, man, get in here. Um, the blind, the, the lame, the paralyzed, and uh, just these remarkable story after story after story of, of the kingdom of God on display through the apostles. And then chapters 13 through 28 uh, pretty much accounts for the missionary journeys of Paul. And, of course, we, we close that today. So I hope this study of Acts has given you new insights about the kingdom of God but perhaps also insights about how we can discern the events and circumstances of our present-day world as well. There, will, there were several weeks where we read stories about different riots and uprisings that took place, and, man, some of the parallels were so. 
Um, I, I hope that the stories of old perhaps are at least giving us opportunities to discern maybe some of the things that are happening around us in our present day world as well. I, I want to draw our attention to the final two verses of the book of Acts. So this is Acts chapter 28, verses 30 and 31. As I said before, the definition of cliffhanger <laughs> embodied in the scriptures. Um, this is how the book of Acts ends. This is how all of those things I mentioned, these scenarios of kingdom inclusiveness, these miracles, these these riots, these arrests, these false accusations, the beatings, the, the being put into jail, the people coming to Christ, all, all of the healing, the saving, Paul being in house arrest, it all comes to a close with these verses. For two whole years, Paul stayed there, meaning a rented house, and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. That's how the story ends. <laughs> that's, that's how that jam-packed book comes to an end. These final days of Paul's life were crucial ones for the body of Christ. I want to give insights into those two years of Paul welcoming people into his home. In addition to welcoming those who came to him with questions about the kingdom of God, Paul wrote some really important letters that we now regard as books of the New Testament. At the time, they were just letters to the followers of Jesus in different cities. We now refer to them as actual books of the New Testament. During his days of house arrest, Paul wrote Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, Philippians, Titus, and First and Second Timothy, which is a good portion of our, of our New Testament aside from the Gospels and the book of Acts. And so Paul writes all of those letters in these final days, in these final years. And uh, so even under house arrest... That is to say, even in quarantine, <laughs> this, is, this is my last-ditch effort to bring the Scriptures into our days today. Listen to this, is that Paul's capacity to minister to others did not disappear. And I want us to hear that. Even in house arrest, Paul's capacity to minister to others did not disappear, and neither does ours. But I also want us to say the same thing in the same way is that our capacity to be ministered to doesn't disappear either. So although we might be entering into a really cold and dark and crummy and lonely winter, our capacity to minister to others does not disappear and our capacity to be ministered to does not disappear either. I want us to hear these extremely familiar words from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. If you've been in and out of the church for 
it probably wouldn't even take a year, (laughs) you would have heard this verse by now. These are some of Paul's final words that he would ever write in a letter. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. You've probably heard those words before. Some of Paul's last. Some of us have been in physical, social, emotional, spiritual, and or mental quarantine for months. And there's more on the way. And I want to encourage you this morning, keep the faith. Paul identifies in this verse, and Paul would know, (laughs) that keeping the faith is something that needs to be fought for. I want us to see the connection between his his what I think are intentional series of words in this verse. I fought the good fight, and therefore I was able to keep the faith. Keeping the faith needs to be fought for. It needs to be worked for. It needs to be intentionally sought after. So in all of the different types of quarantine that we are experiencing, and it's not just physical. You know this. We know this. It's social. It's emotional. It's spiritual. It's mental. Quarantine, being shut down, closed off. I want you to know that even with more quarantine on the way, if you have a desire to keep growing, there are ways And if you have a desire to minister to others, there are ways. And if you need to be ministered to, there are ways. But they need to be fought for. I want you to know that you have a church family, you have a pastor that will drop everything to take a phone call from you. I want you to know that you have a pastor that will bundle up in every piece of warm clothing that he has and sit on your porch and talk to you through a screen door. I want you to know that. You have people in your life. You do, you do, you do, you do. Have people in your life that will do whatever they can to help you. This is your Reachway family. Keep the faith. Don't let go. We can do this. As I was writing that this week, the decision had already been made and discerned to to suspend gatherings for a while. And I took some time to think back over the first, the, the first quarantine, the first um, season of not gathering together. And although it, I think at the same time, it feels like a 
decade ago and yesterday. Okay, there's something, yeah, I, 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 think, I think that's what's been going on. And so I thought back really five, six, seven, eight months ago, and I remembered and I realized that we missed Easter together. We, we didn't get Easter together. And as I was finishing up the writing of this, as I was just really letting it sink into my own self that we're not going to have this, this gathering again for a while, the thought that I had was, but good golly, I want Easter next year. <laughs> so February 7th is not Easter Sunday, but... And I, and I hope we're gathered by then, I really do. Um, but I want Easter. And I want you to want Easter. I, I want us to have Easter together because we weren't able to have it this year. I want us to have it next year. Um, and goodness, because we all need something to look forward to. I'm already looking forward to Easter. <laughs> um, so with those things in mind, Every, um, every gathering, every time we're gathered together, we approach this table where there is a meal, and it's a modest meal, but it's an important one, and it's a powerful one. It's a meal that Christ himself is the originator of. Christ is the first one to take bread and give it miraculous purpose and meaning where he says to his disciples, from now on, when you gather together and when you share in the bread, remember my body broken for you. Now, the interesting thing about when Jesus does this is he's doing this before he would be crucified. And so in that moment, there's some weird tension going on. His body broken for us, what do we mean? Well, of course, we know what he meant by that. And he says, from now on, whenever you gather together, you have this cup of juice, of wine, of whatever, and, um, and you drink of it, remember my blood that was poured out for you. And so this meal, this time, this space gives us opportunity to do exactly what Jesus asks us to do, which is remember. Remember his body, remember his blood. And, and if we can remember those moments, it only takes us three days down the timeline to be able to remember the empty tomb, to be able to remember the, the, the resurrection of Jesus, making possible all things being made new here on earth today, right now. And I believe, and, and I think a lot of us believe this because we've done it for so long together, that if we can get swept up in remembering that it gives us just a little bit more courage and encouragement and motivation to keep on going, to keep on seeking Jesus, to keep on journeying with Jesus, and to keep on quarantining and trying to be safe. And so that's what this meal is, and it's a meal that, that Jesus prepares, and it's a meal that Jesus invites us to. A cool image about this meal, and if you've come and gone from Reachway for a while, then you've heard me say this before. Cool, super cool image about this meal. Imagine a long table, and there's chairs, and everyone's at the same level 
sitting at the table. So um, you either have a shorter chair or you have a taller chair or you have phone books under your, uh, under your, your keister uh, because at this table, everyone's at the same level. I don't, I don't want us to miss even that. So at this table, everyone is equal. At this table, everyone is level and the shorter ones are lifted up and the taller ones are brought down and we're all together and here we are. And another cool thing about this meal is that we're all eating the same food. And it doesn't matter who you are, where you came from, what you could afford, what you can't afford, we're all eating the same food because God himself invited us to this meal. And all of God's creation is at this meal. And we're all equal, and we're all eating the same thing, and we're just enjoying each other. And we could, we could look down this way, we could creak back that way, we could look directly across from us, we would see people who don't sound like us, look like us, dress like us, think like us, vote like us, <laughs> but they're all at the same table. That's the image. And Lord, by your spirit, let that image be good news for us. So with, with that in mind, um, we're going to take a moment, and um, whenever you are ready, you're welcome to come forward and receive these elements, and you can take them back to your seat and sit with them and meditate with them and, and eventually eat them on, on your own time. Um, there's hand sanitizer here provided for you if you'd like to use it. I wore a mask when I prepared this tray. I washed my hands several times throughout that process as well. Um, and everyone's invited. Everyone's invited to this meal. So if I could pray for us, and then, then we'll respond together. Lord Jesus, you invite us to this table. And just like the table that you eventually sat at with the walkers of the Emmaus Road. When we partake in these elements, just like they did, would you be recognized? Just like it was for the walkers of the Emmaus Road, who it was once they sat down with you at the table, and it was once you gave them the bread, and it was once you gave them the cup, and it was once they ate it that you were recognized. So, Lord, help us recognize you this morning. In this meal, remind us that we are part of the body of Christ. And that even though we are entering into a season where we cannot all be together at once in the same place at the same time, Remind us that there are phones, there are front porches, there are big rooms that we can be in. And even while we're not together week after week, we are still the body of Christ together week after week. And it is your spirit that unifies us in that. It is your spirit that ensures that. Is that we are all bricks that build up a temple that the Holy Spirit dwells in, even when we're not together. 
So Lord, be with us in the partaking of this meal. As we receive these elements, may we receive you and see you and recognize you. In Jesus' name, amen.